2: Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to the second part of episode 9 of the Mirzog Art podcast featuring Heath Kane. Now I'm sorry to have had to make you wait a week for this second half. But believe me the wait is worth it. It's much better I do it like this rather than try and condense the hour and a half recording down into one hour. We would have just missed so much and it really wouldn't have been worth it. Now if you remember from last week... Heath mentions how he accidentally fell into the art world which was around 16 to 18 months ago when he first decided to make an artwork rather than have to buy one and he pulled in his skills from his um, brand marketing and advertising background to make his first ever artwork called Rich Enough to be Batman and he only made multiple prints because it was cheaper to do that than just do the one-offs that he wanted. So he thought he'd sell the others just to get his money back. And annoyingly, he just entered the art world, said here's my artwork and everyone's been scrambling for it ever since. But to be fair, it is an absolute cool cut of a concept and a beautiful piece of work to look at. So I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm just going to let this start off um, a couple of minutes from where we finished last week. So here we are, the second part of episode nine with Heath Kane.
3: But I always, one piece that always stuck in my mind is like because I think my teacher kind of excited me about it, was um, Eugene Delacroix's "Liberty Leading the People." Now, everyone sort of knows this piece. It's it's, it's kind of like the kind of French piece. It, it represents the French Revolution. Yeah. You know, it's got Mariana, who's this woman, and her breast is sticking out. But I, what I really like is all the kind of semantics about that. If you look at it, you know. Um, apart from having a woman with one boob sticking out, you know, there, there's this lovely sort of part or all, all these pieces and story, backstory back that goes into it. And what I really like is just what it represents. It represents, you know, that time of history. And I think, you know, just to throw in one other piece to the kind of, you know, what makes me tick, I like art... You know, um, as, uh, as a moment of time. Yeah. I like art which actually represents um, the fact that someone in 200 years time can look at that and say oh that's what yeah. it was like. Yeah. That's why I don't like
2: pictures of... A reflection of, of, of the time it was painted in. Which is a kind of... Or made uh, in.
3: Yeah, which is actually the explanation to the, the Mexican mask but I'll tell you more about that in a sec. The, the Eugene Delacroix um, piece... Um, you know, what I really like about it is just a big, fucking, strong, smack you over the head yeah, piece. Yeah. Because when you w- when you, when uh, at least the way it was told to me and the way that it kind of plays out, you know, Mariana, who's holding the flag, she represents liberty, mm. right? She's this, she's the icon for France. Her breast is sticking out because she's been robbed of her dignity, yeah. right? So if I shamed you by pulling your pants out it's the exact same thing right you know your your cock sticking out oh shit that's a bit embarrassing but she doesn't look embarrassed right and so in fact she looks more determined and hungry to, you know fuck with the aristocracy more than ever and that's the really powerful part about that picture is that despite she's been robbed of her dignity despite in front of her there's all these dead bodies so death well, her, her accepting
2: it is, is t- turning that power around, giving her the power, isn't it?
3: And then look behind her, and there's all these sort of people. But what's really lovely, when you get into the semantics of it, you sort of see it's not just A class of people, it's lots of yeah. classes from, you know, there was there was people from the Navy. There's You know, when you look at it really closely, you start to see there's this wonderful tapestry. And then in the background, you see the military forming and you yeah. can see smoke yeah, and all yeah. these things. And it's this great thing... But I just love the fact that, you know what, it was she represented I would die for a cause. And, you know, that's this sort of endearment that you take from it. It's like, fuck me. Mm. Like, these people would lay down their lives for a cause. And so that made me think about, you know, how pissed off I was and all these people were about everything that's happening in the world with Trump and, you know, how could this happen and whatnot. And so I pulled on um, that picture, and I did a a new version of it, um, and a a modern-day spin of it. Um, So, you know, check it out. You'll see it. But it was taken on this idea that what would that look like in today's society? If Trump and all his cronies are the aristocracy, would we die for a cause? And that's what I did. It was a big piece And it was funny how it all came together. I had my wife in the backyard with a broomstick. (laughs) But my wife didn't want to actually be the the Mariana, so I had to find another face to it. And then I thought, well, if I take another face, then that person's going to get pissed off that I've taken their face and put that in. So then I did essentially what I've been doing from the start, which is putting masks on people, but I put glasses on her. And I did that Mona Lisa thing um, of... You don't know if she's content or if she don't know if she's smug or whatever. But instead of a gun, you know, instead of weaponizing yeah. it, which Mariana um, is about, uh, I think she has a, a, a rifle in a, a her in yeah. her arm and yeah. a flag yeah. in the other arm, I put a, in a mobile a phone. And it was... And it sort of... All my pieces um, ask questions, or at least I think they ask questions. So Rich Enough yeah. Batman asks a question about, you know, would you do social good, um... This piece was about, you know, would you die for a cause? And, and you know, it was asking questions at lots of levels. So is the mobile phone more, you know, it's kind of like, is the pen mightier than the sword yeah. type thing? Is social media that powerful that it could topple a government? You know, so that's the sort of thing that got me interested. Or is it just become a new entertainment form, you know, where what you're seeing with um, the inauguration and um, another, you know, the semantics of that picture, um, because if you look at it, there's millions of pieces that I've put into it. That's why, yeah, you know, yeah. to your question, I'm really pleased about it. Because it, whereas rich enough Batman has got just almost that one plus one equals three. Yeah. I've got about 20 different layers on that one piece, and it, and it's, you know, it's. Tr- hoping that people will find it and, and pick it apart and yeah. go oh yeah, fuck, I can see what you're doing there, you know, that's what I was like and then um, without sort of going too much on that the, the, the other piece I did uh, as a commission um, uh, a guy called Derek Walker who's a street artist, um, his brother has got a place down in South Southbank um, called Sammer and they invited me to do a piece, um, which they wanted to do, not as kind of your t- traditional art canvas sort of stuff. He said, I've got, we've got this space, we're turning it into kind of art, but it's kind of more urban art, yeah. a bit sort of street art. So he... Uh, um, Derek's well-known for having pictures uh, or these big street art pieces that said, I'd, I'd like to punch um, uh, Damien Hurst in the face. Um, <laughs> It's all sort of tongue in cheek. So he's got a lot of his pieces up there, and he wanted people who had a little bit of wit and a bit of political sort of sarcasm and subversiveness to come in there and, and put some stuff up. And so he asked me to do a piece, and he, and he said, Look, this room is essentially it's a big uh, old uh, aban- or abandoned sort of archways under, um, yeah. I think, Blackfriars uh, oh, yeah, yeah. line. And beautiful place, all kind of glass and spangly now. But he's got these big bowed uh, ceilings, and so obviously you can't do much without with these big sort no. of arches. And so he said, I, "I have this idea of doing like a big billboard." And I went, "Oh, yeah. amazing! Could I do it?" And you know, I, I couldn't jump at it quick enough because you know, coming from sort of advertising design sort of background, I was just yeah. great, yeah. right? So, so I. I said, you know, what's the brief? And he said, do whatever you like. And I went, like, OK, give me some limitations because yeah, yeah. anyone who asks me to do whatever I like is going to get a slap in the face of and course. be disappointed, yeah. right? Because I'll just naturally do something that will piss someone yeah, off. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 just do whatever you want. And I said, you do know that I do, like, political art and I offend people. And, and he says, yeah, but that's why I want you to do it. So, anyway... I went off and I started thinking about it and I just thought, what could I do? Um, And anyway, how it ended up, I walked around that whole area and I've been in uh, the UK for about 20, I think around just under 20 years, I think. Um, And what I've seen is a massive transformation, right? So you know, think about, well, I was there when I think Tate was being built. and so that whole sort of area was quite derelict was yeah. all sort of factories and whatnot and of course now you go down there and it's all sort of you know wealthy yeah, people yeah yeah gentrified big, yeah gentrified right so um you know and I've, I've seen that change happen in london i mean i find it really weird being australian that we embrace the coast anything with water bang you yeah. know people will throw something up there the further inland you go it gets sort of poorer and whereas here, it kind of seemed almost opposite, right? It is, right? very much so. Um, so, but, uh, you know, you're now seeing this sort of change happening. And, and so uh, what was interesting, the way the restaurant was put together, I, you know, I thought I was being quite subversive and, and clever about this, that all the, the, the restaurant was essentially trying to take on this new clientele of people of taking in. Yeah. And so being... Kind Of one to stick my fingers up, but in the nicest, politest way, I thought I'd do something very subversive. Um, and so I did this picture um, that and I went around and I mapped out all of um, sort of South Bank, all the sort of little Victorian terraces, uh, lots of council estates that um, were, were being abandoned and being ripped down. And I, and I drew all of those, so I actually used my hands yeah, and drew yeah. um, this scene. Um, but I did it all in pencil, and it 's on a big blue background so you 've got to imagine it 's four meters by two meters wow. this piece um, and it, and so it 's got all of all of the sort of Victorian part of that town but it, but you realize it 's disappearing because it's so it's, you know it 's pencil on a on a dark background yeah, yeah. it 's just vanishing, yeah. and all you can see in the background is these big shiny kind of looming buildings. And then you you quickly click on to the fact when you were in there, it was all about proximity. So where the, where um, is is right next to this big, new shiny kind of tower, um, where you know lots of wealthy people sort of reside. And then around them is another tall shiny building, which is now an iconic building yeah, yeah. that you know wealthy people all reside. And I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if they all walked into this bar and they're all having their cocktails and drinks and they look up and then they see, is that our building in the background? Oh yeah, that's our building. And then they sort of realise that all of everything else is sort of vanishing. But the whole, everything centres around uh, an Indian without a face. Yeah, so most yeah, of my yeah, work yeah, is yeah. about um, masks uh, and the sort of psychology of people changing perception. Here I did a faceless... Indian and I called but the the picture is of, of this sort of native Indian who looks essentially like he's lost right and with most of all my work um, the the kind of the way to decode my work is always in the title so rich enough to be Batman yeah, right um, when the revolution starts kind of um, mass affair um, you know all these yeah, things yeah. this piece I was the kind of piece de resistance, which is, it looks such a lovely piece. Everyone admires it when they walk in, but the way that you actually appreciate it is when you read the title, and that's how I kind of worked it out, is that you walk in, you see this monstrous big piece with an Indian and all these sort of buildings, and it it all looks kind of nice, and then you read the title and it says, Where Have All The Natives Gone?
2: Yeah, nice, (laughs) nice. And that's, that's what's happening now, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, and the, how long ago was that that was last year and yeah. it's that's just getting worse and worse around here and you can you can just see it around i mean even the oh the, wish, the, when oh. i first come here in hoxton square that was the, the white cube was a bank over in the corner just there that was gary hume's studio and i popped down to see gary hume and i even done it in just over there was the uh, hoxton um boxing club right and I was I was part of a Billy Ocean video that was being shot. Right. In there. I was the referee of a boxing. Video. And uh, yeah, but you can see that around here now. It was a poor area, and you look at it now. You know, there's building work going on in buildings that are sort of only 20 years old, and they're already being sort of revitalised. You know.
3: So well, that's the thing. All my pieces tap onto something, and you know, mainly sort of political or socio-political sort of themes. So
2: gentrification, you but know, wealth. But going back to that, what you just said about the. the um, about the masking, yeah. The mask. The, the initial question being the Mexican mask. Now, where you're putting them on a painting? Is that a painting that you're putting them on, or is it a print you're putting the mask on?
3: So they're a print, and then they're painted over. So, um, so where I talked about um, my interest is about being part of a being having art to be part of a history. So you know, you rewind art back to caveman times. Mm. If it wasn't for man's ability. Um, you know, this is all before the written word, so we couldn't obviously document yeah. what actually happens. But, thank God, someone got a, a paintbrush and painted up on a wall, yeah, yeah. and we had an idea that they hunted mammoths and all these things. That's really interesting. And then, you know, you can go through all of history, and you realise art has been integral for us to understand history. If it wasn't, we'd be all fucked, yeah, right? Yeah. So I really like that about art. You know, it's, um, as I say, it's the thing that I don't like about art is painting kind of a bowl of fruit or um, uh, I remember here recently going to the, um, uh, the Royal Academy and seeing um, uh, uh, an exhibition all about the revolution um, and mm. I, I was expecting it to be great propaganda posters yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And what it was was just essentially curated about art that was painted during that really stark point of you know, um, dark communism yeah. and what it showed to me was fuck all, it just went, well there's a picture of a fucking naked woman or there's a bowl of fruit or it's a, it's a sunset over Dorset or you know, or over St Petersburg yeah. and yeah, it just yeah. went this is fucking shit Yeah. Um, you know, no offence to the artist but it just, I just thought it could be any time, point yeah. in time. It doesn't tell you anything. There's no story to it. It might have meant something. It might look good on a wall, but, you know, I want something that actually people can go, I was there, yeah. or yeah. that point of time was a really dark time. I mean, look at the 60s, and you see these great bits that come out of it. And, you know, thank God it's captured. You know, look at um, Warhol and all that. They were part of that, you know, they were there. Um, Dali, you know all the, you know, you look at how they brought sort of art and politics together, but timed it into that, you know, period. So it's a
2: reflection of the moment.
3: Yeah, and you know, (laughs) thank God we have it, because that is our sort of, you know, memory of, because you can write about it, but I just love art that, that, you know, is going to document. No one can change that, you know.
2: We'll talk about different artists documenting. You and five other artists, past and present, what would your perfect group show be?
3: Ah, so, um, I'm, I, what was it, uh, last year I was at a show, had a really big sort of turnout, um, 50 artists were there, um, and it just, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a bit sort of despondent about all these sort of, gallery shows I just don't like the way they kind of operate um, you know I, I I, really think that they miss they all seem to miss the trick which is it should be about celebrating the artist not about celebrating their brand but you know I can understand it as a gallery you want your name first yeah, not yeah. you know the artist so it's kind of a means to an end in, in that sense but so I always think that kind of galleries and artists are almost at friction. I mean, gall- or artists kind of feel like that they, they they need the galleries in order to make bread and butter. And then the galleries obviously can't exist without the artists. Yeah. So there's this sort of... We have to get along even though if we kind of both hate
2: each other. Yeah, yeah of course.
3: But I don't see it like that. And so, um, anyway, where I'm going with this is um, I... I befriended um, Rugman yeah. uh, who as I say has is is now become so at the time I'd, I knew his work I'd, I'd been into jealous I'd seen him yeah. a few times he's you know he looks like a delinquent so who I wanted <laughs> who I wanted to get to know
2: he's pretty cool isn't he
3: he's awesome and so anyway um, I, I got chatting to him and, and within you know five minutes we, were, we kind of hit it off and um, I said to him look I had this idea why don't artists put on their own show um, and he went fuck yeah you know in his Scottish accent um, and and that's how it kind of got started so so five artists um, I've kind of it it kind of grew from you know people who uh, you know really wanted to sort of work with as I say I I've, I've still to this day don't find a way that I can pigeonhole myself into a bucket and say you know i'm that type of artist you know i'm not institutional i'm not street art i'm not i don't think i'm urban art i don't i'm not pop art you know it's like so i i feel there is definitely this sort of revolution in art around print art that's going on that's changing as as quick as you know anything else and and what what this
2: where I'm sort of pointing this I think people are seeing the value in a print now, aren't they? Whereas they were oh, no, yeah, it
3: was it was it was kind of the dirty part yeah, of, yeah. of of art. And um I, I you know, if well I think recognition is when you see Saatchis now, you know, um starting to hoard in lots of print artists. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've done two shows in, in in just over a month at Saatchi's
2: which is kinda of like, huh? Yeah. Like Huh? <laughs> seriously? It's it a bit party, isn't it? When you look at it like that, you know, there's thousands of people out there who have been working well, for years to try and sort of get a glimpse of
3: Well, it's not, it's not, not, not it, the you know. self-satisfaction of it, it's the fact that, you know, even, even if I'd been doing it 10 years, like, if someone said to you, oh, you'll be exhibiting at Saatchi in no time, you'd go, fuck yeah. off, right? And yet it's happened, and I still think, like, what the fuck was yeah. that about? Yeah. Like, seriously? Um, so I don't feel like
2: my work belongs well, was there. Sorry, I was with, with, sorry, I was with um, Bob Osborne last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's where, I, where I had Ray one Ridge of my pieces. And, yeah. yeah. Now, just seeing Bob and Carrie <laughs> having a fucking room to themselves—it was—I couldn't express to them enough. How fucking proud I was of them. I mean, at the end of the night when I walked out, I sort of put my arms around them and just said, like, you know, fucking well done, that pair of no, it was it, it, it you. No, beautiful to sit because you're walking one of the most prestigious streets in London, maybe even the world, yeah, you know, yeah. King's Road, going into that massive big gallery. And then. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. And then having. Well, yeah, especially. Rob walking around who don't give a fuck for anything. You well, I was going to say, yeah. That,
0: it,
3: it, it just feels like kind of like a kerosene bomb putting Bob Osborne yeah, in the yeah. Gallery.
2: Yeah, definitely. I it mean, was brilliant. It was absolutely love to Bob, but, you know, it, when when he announced that, I went, are you serious? Yeah, and he, he weren't boastful. He was like, fuck it, I've only done that. You know, it's brilliant. It was fucking it was beautiful. So,
3: yeah, I think um, that's kind of what, what's happening. So, um, you know, we we're, we're kind of pulled together like-minded artists, really. Um you know I, I think part of it was a sense of belonging um, and the other part was sort of trying to just turn turn a lot of this on its head you know yeah. um, uh, so I've got lots of ambitions about Ace Club and their whole idea was to be a magnet and make almost like artists or at least the artists that I wanted to sort of mingle with you know have the confidence to say fuck it you know let's let's do yeah. it I mean should put my little caveat and disclaimer on um that you know it's not trying to go against galleries it's just trying to make uh artists feel empowered that they can actually do something mm. and
2: you know that that you know, it's sort of how the art car boot fair was formed you know several years ago right um just giving artists another platform outside of a fucking white cube yeah. You know, giving them somewhere else to sell their work I, um, that isn't governed by where you've got to give 50% over.
3: Exactly. I mean, you know, that's an absolutely cracking concept. And you can see it's, you know, it's really worked. But the really nice thing about it, and then I think this is what we're trying to address, is it 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 brings, and, you know, this is the thing that I'm still coming to grips with, that there are genuine people who follow, you know, my work and... And I know, obviously, like, Riker and uh, Rugman, and they've got massive followings of people. You know, Charming Baker, you know, they've got groupies, I guess. Um, But just, you know, and and, and so they should, because their work is, you know, beautiful. Um, And so, but, you know, it's... I feel like all the artists, you know, coming at it because I'm so new, I feel like artists have been removed from the process and they shouldn't be because yeah. they are essentially the product. You know, they're, they're, they're making their work. And when you, when you boil art down to this sort of idea that, you know, the people who buy it for the investment, you know, they're not buying it because of the piece itself. They're buying it because of the artists. Mm. So... Yeah. F- He's like, he, that is a different a different level of art collector though isn't it you know the- well it is but like you said before with the Mussolini story the fact that um, uh, that uh, Damien Hurst put a, a little red dot on it right yeah. that somehow magically gave it um, you know a sense of value yeah technically I could get my six year old daughter you know to put that on it and you know, technically it's exactly the same. Yeah. So this sort of disproves the kind of, you know, it, it's about the product. It's always about the mm. artist, it's about the brand. And so this is, this is kind of what the idea of Ace Club was, is sort of to bolster yeah, the I fact that, the um, you know, these artists are brands and, and you know, the, the public, the people who really love their work should actually come and meet them. Yeah. I mean, who wants, you know, did you meet Andy Warhol? I didn't. Like, you know, but if you had the opportunity to, you would, wouldn't you, right? Everyone would. And so that's kind of, I I think, my sort of contribution. I'm, you know, we just found lots of people who love talking to people about art. You know, that's how I got to meet you Mm. because, you know, you're genuine about art and we got talking about it. And I love that. That's the thing that, kind of gives me the kick and the reason why i kind of um am, i guess interested and motivated to stay on is the fact that you know shit actually you really bought my artwork yeah. and then have people talk to me about it but or me being able to talk to them about it did you know it's not about you know um, me trying to deface the queen did you know the story behind it oh i didn't know that yeah, it's brilliant yeah, you know yeah. and now that kind of lives in people's brains now and it's but they would never exist if it was just, oh,
2: here's, here's the rap sheet a of the testament But the fact that it stands up on its own without the story.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
3: It doesn't. I mean, well, I feel like um, most people I mean, I didn't, oversee I didn't know the, the story. Stories. I can only
2: because I'm a conceptual artist anyway. I sort of read things in a different way to other people. Possibly, yeah. I knew that there was a story of masking the wealthy just by because of that's what it was showing. You know, yeah. Um, but, but sometimes the narrative you make in your own mind without knowing the actual narrative is just as worthy. You know, you're oh, making no, a story up for yeah, the yeah. that you can see.
3: Well, I think and that, that's the thing that I really like, is I've had lots of people tell me lots of different ways that they've interpreted my work, not just Rich Enough to be Batman, but most of my work. And some of it I haven't even seen, and it all sounds plausible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then it all because it's... You know, I like, had done a, an artwork a few years ago, which was it was called um, "Positive Space, Negative Space," and it was just a bunk bed, a prison bunk bed, and the top bunk was made nicely, the bottom bunk was bricked up. He had bricks, yeah. and I was trying to. It was a play on words because the the top space, which is a negative space in the aesthetic word, in yeah. the aesthetic sense i called it a positive space because it like visually it's yeah, positive yeah. The, the bottom one it was where there's you know people that are depressed just lock themselves in yeah and that was my initial thought of it there but then over the years the more i look at it it changes i i add to it as well yeah. so i'm on about remaking it now right with a total different concept but it's the same piece yeah and it's a total different concept to it you know because no, no, things change um Things build, the narrative grows. You know, the more you look at it, because you've made it at one point, but the more you keep thinking about it, oh, the, no, that's the bigger a, that narrative well, that's grows. The,
3: that's that's the lovely thing about having a piece that has a sort of a backstory to it is that it can grow. Yeah. Um, you know, and and well,
2: in and, many the, ways... and the funny thing is, when you say about people um, adding their story to it, if it it could influence you, their their vision of it could influence you, and you could be telling me about it. And you could even be telling me what they're finding in it as well, you know. So it's, it a is multi-layered. Oh, yeah. It's more multi-layered than you thought it was initially. I
3: mean, I, I, I mean just on that point, when I did uh, Mass Fear, so um, this is in 2016, uh, this is at the point, and just to give this sort of context, I did a piece, which I just did on Instagram, um, just thinking it would be funny, but me sort of yelling at the world, I did um, Trump in the Lucha Libre um, mask because, you know, he hates minority groups. So that's what the masks represent. What are you fearful of? All politics have always been quite um, uh, kind of deceitful in a way. I mean, everyone's got an agenda. The Tories definitely have an agenda. But, you know, they have that typical political stance, which is they won't draw their hands. It's like a poker face, right? Like, you know... I've got some very wealthy friends that I need to feed, but yes, we cover the poor, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, you, you, you have that comfort of thinking that you know politicians are trying to address everyone's concerns, which they should be. But then, on the other hand, you have this new politics coming out saying, "Fuck them! Yeah, I hate yeah, those pricks!" Yeah. You know. Well, so going back to the the mass fear and and how the story kind of evolves. So I did all those three pieces thinking, wouldn't that be... You know, again, before Trump gets elected, when he's just running as a candidate, and I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if he got in? Wouldn't that be the world's <laughs> worst fucking world, you know, world order there ever has ever come about? Of course, now... And you do, you wake up and you went, fuck, really? Well, so, so, obviously, that happened... But what was weird was, um, you know, that narrative changed constantly due to the circumstances. Yeah. So if you take, for instance, well, all three of them, so obviously Pussy Riot had happened before yeah. that, yeah. hence why, you know, Pussy Riot represents uh, Putin's fear for um, homosexual yeah. um, rights. Um, so that's why that came about. Kim Jong-un hates all things to do about Western. Like, why would you have to fear about the West, you know? Um, so that's why those masks all came about and they just represented this new world order in politics and, and I just thought, you know, it's quite comical when you look at them together. It's that's what it looks like. They look like Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, they yeah, look yeah, quite yeah, really yeah. funny when you see them together as a set. And then again, you've got that luridness that draws you in, makes you smile, and then you realise, oh fuck, yeah. <laughs> we actually are living this, this nightmare. What...
2: But then just even that, just that satirical stance that you're you're taking, it is just, it is just helping chip away all the artists, musicians, everyone's chipping away at them, um, and it just it will, well, hopefully bring them down in the end, or at least make them weaker just by sort of taking the piss out. Well, of
3: them. I, I mean, I'd love to hope so. I mean, this is how I got involved with um, Adrian Burnham and Flying Leaps. Um, so you've got amazing kind of caliber of artists like Jeremy Deller and uh Kenneth Phillips who've been contributing to um Flying Leap so I I, you know if there was a proud moment that happened it was when I got a a message on Instagram out of the blue saying would you like to come and meet with us would be like to talk to you and I went you know it felt to me like I'd been driving Sort of go karts, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got Bernie Eccleston saying, (laughs) Come to Formula One and talk to us. And I just went, Wow! I literally kind of, you know, a little kind of fart of excitement kind of escaped me, and I went, Wow! You know, so that was, that that was, you know, just this great thing to be able to use, you know, their platform, like you say, to chip away. You know, I did this piece called, um, so again, Huge kind of frustration with Brexit. Um, you know, absolutely, in, like anyone in London probably understands it, but I just don't understand the thinking behind why the fuck you would want to become exclusive yeah. from the European Union. You know, if anything, I think we should have open borders around the world. It would be yeah, much yeah. easier. We kind of get rid of, you know, I'm from this country and all this sort of nationalistic sort of bullshit. Mm. Um, um, but, yeah, so that was my contribution to sort of put something there that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't trying to take a side about Brexit. What it was is a piece that, um, you know, Flying Leaps was able to um, put together into these big 10-foot posters, um, which donned everywhere from London to Glasgow to... Yeah. Bristol. I mean, they've got this amazing yeah, 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 kind of yeah. network who can just move art out to the streets. That's why a lot of people think I'm sort of street artist. Um, but you know, I did this piece, um, and it was uh, a, a stamp um, uh, with the Queen on it. And it was, I think, because I'm, you know, what I, I wasn't born in the UK. Um, I've always had this sort of strange connection to the Queen. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to me, she was the authority. Anything kind of like she was the big boss. She, mm. everything had to get passed by her, you know, for anything to be kind of kosher. And then it turns out that's not the case. She's yeah. just... Yeah, <laughs> she's just a, she's, she's a just on, Yeah, she's just on a, a stamp.
2: stamp.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she just sort of decorates notes and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, I, I find that really hard to believe. And so, um, so with Brexit... She's, like a,
2: she's the UK's brand, isn't she, you know? Well,
3: yeah, and it just feels really odd that, you know, here we are, we the UK, the kind of icon, in a way, for the UK is the Queen, yeah. right? And so she should be the kind of, you know, she's the monarch. The monarch was the one who kind of drove everyone to where, where things were going, um, and yet, you know, powerless. And so I did this piece with the, the stamp... And again, sort of lots of layers behind it. So it's um, the the mask, as it were, is replacing the authority of the Queen with Theresa May mm. in this really sort of you know odd kind yeah, of look. Yeah. And you look, and she peers up into the into uh, left hand corner, and it has uh, fifty two. And 52 was the price of a stamp. It was this brilliant sort of moment where I just thought, ooh, you know, <laughs> what are the chances, right? So 52 was the percentage yeah, of people yeah, who yeah. voted out, but also is the price of a, of, of a second-class stamp. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, this is perfect. Like, you know, here's a stamp... Um, This is what we export to the world, you know, when it goes on letters, we export the Queen. The Queen's got no authority. She's been replaced by this figurehead who's got absolutely no control. And that's the way I showed it was putting this very embarrassed, red-faced Theresa May looking up at the price because now the price of the stamp is no longer first class. Everything about the UK is about first class, right? You know... um, and and above the fifty-two, I, I just wrote in pencil forty-eight. Nice. And it was just that reminder that, irrespective of how you cast your vote on Brexit, everyone's fucked. Yeah. Right? Because every, you can't you can't make a decision when it's that close. Yeah. And that's where we're at is is that you you we're just finding ourselves whatever decision that we're going to make is going to be the wrong decision because mm. n- n- someone's going to be pissed off about well, it
2: see no one brings up about the fucking i'm, I'm we're going off a bit <laughs> off here but no one brings up about the fucking conservatives giving that referendum in the first place just to try oh, and squeeze another yeah. four years they've forgot you know that that's the fucking brunt of it everyone's going oh it's the 48 percent this the you know the 50s Oh, no, I did it. Conservative's I, doing it in the first I, I, place. I, I did a and where's he now, anyway?
3: I did a piece about this. Um, I can't fucking stand him. I'll, I'm going to have to send it to you, Gary. But um, I did a piece that it was. Um, it starts off, and it was like the uh, the Bayou Tapestry. You know, it sort yeah. of. It sort of. I was thinking that you know Brexit's going to go on for a while, and I was just going to create this massive big narrative of everything that happened. But it started off with, um, and I. I I thought about it in context to Animal Farm, and on the um, sort of on the far left-hand side there's a picture of um, of Cameron, but with a pig's mask on, and in the right-hand corner, it kind of is it was with uh, May with a fox mask yeah. on, and obviously, you know, there was all this sort of media that was bringing up the satire yeah, that yeah, was just yeah. too good not to poke at, and because I do masks, I just thought, there we go, we're going to tell a story. A, and, a, and then when people look back at this, they're going to look at it and go, that was the pig fucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that got, was, it's got to be. And that was that fox hunter. Yeah, yeah, You know, Foxy May. And in between, it sort of created this narrative and you had open roads to kind of... You saw the... It was. I kind of labelled everything. I had the Parliament House. It was sort of a map over, over the UK yeah. or, or sort of London, really. And it had Parliament House and that was the farmhouse and then it had (laughs) so you had these two kind of it was uh, what i was trying to do with it, which i never really kind of worked and it was one of those political pieces that just never really fell into place but it actually sits in my kitchen at the moment my wife said oh don't take that down i love that piece (laughs) but um it has all these terrace houses kind of what's around us you know these little terrace houses and I just call them the chicken coops because you know and and I was going to build this story and have a, I was going to see if I could get like a chi- like a famous children's rider um, to sort of you know uh, contribute to it yeah. someone who was really adversely against brexit to come in and, and sort of write a story that because the way you know as I say I want something that I want to remember this time for mm. and so I did this piece thinking this is how I want to remember it like there was a guy who, who was pulled up from fucking a pig in height, you know, in in university.
2: It's fucking then, amazing. How he just walks away, and
3: it? and you know, and all of these people are getting robbed. You know, all the sort of working class getting robbed. Hence why they're in the chicken coops, mm. right? So the chicken coops are all the little terrace houses in rows, which looked like yeah, chicken yeah. coops. And then you've got all these greedy kind of merchants, all sort of thing. And then, kind of, it, it, uh, I think you have to see it. To understand it but it kind of evolves along like this bayou tapestry where everything was fruitful and then things become a bit kind of cloudy where we don't know what's yeah. our relationship yeah. with europe and and then hills start to transpire in the background so that kind of blocks our view we don't yeah. kind of yeah. know how we're going to get to our neighbors because that looks like we you know we're going to have to walk around it we you know yeah. all that sort of thing and then in the end where i sort of drew it and where i finished was all the trees had been stripped because there was that whole comment around the money tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the money tree has been robbed. And, but, you know, it was about trying to create this something that is just very dystopian and very bleak and just something that you wouldn't want to go mm. out, you know, like the Wicked Woods. You know, yeah. Don't go yeah, in the yeah, Wicked yeah, Woods, yeah, yeah. you know. And so, anyway, that's kind of where it was.
2: Well, I've got to jump you back a bit because you never give me five names. I know yeah. you said about, the, about being with Ace and putting loads of people out there. If you could pick... Five eyes. I don't know if it'd make you feel a bit uncomfortable putting um, specific I, names down.
3: Um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I tell you people here and now. Um, that I, mean, even if I really like. Yeah. So I mean, I. You know, I'll naturally sort of say Rugman a because he's my mate, but also. Uh, we did a show together and we put our work together and all my friends said, I didn't know you did that piece. And all his friends said, I didn't know you did that piece. (laughs) And working out the fact that it wasn't our work. So there was, was, you know, that's part of the reason why I bonded with him because there was a similarity in our work, or at least in terms of style. you know, then uh, Kennard Phillips, I adore because I'd love to work with them I, because their, you know, kind of political yeah, stance. Yeah. Um, I, you know, love Charming Baker's work, uh, just from, you know, just from the aesthetic of mm. it. Um, I like that, you know, he's just sort of really sort of teared it down. Um, well, we at three. <laughs> um, you don't have to I, I, yeah. You know, I don't know, as I say, I'm I don't follow, I, I guess, because I've I, you know, the way I've succeeded in the design world is by not following other designers. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate their work, but the one thing you know, you get like a, a brand would fail if it looked like another brand, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so my job has always been don't look at Stand others out, yeah. yeah so so it's a tricky question for me as much as i admire lots of people i could you know rattle off lots of names i don't look at anyone's work and go oh i'd love to be like that yeah you know it's just that's not how i think what i try and do is just go what what would i well what does my gut say i should do mm. and then that's what i do and then i, I i'm at that sort of stage uh, where I'm trying to think about new techniques. You know, I'd love to do some sculptural work. Um, you know, I'm talking to other artists about collaboration.
2: Well, funnily enough, we're, we're, when we're saying that, we're, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, Stick? hmm he, um, he, he obviously put loads around where we are now, and he's having a, a sculpture put in here. All right. Um, I don't know, I think it's... I thought it was August. It might even be this month. But yeah, so he's, he's got a bronze coming in Hoxton Square. Lovely. Um, and he's, he's worked fucking hard to try and get that done as well, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know how I'd do it because that's the thing, I'm pretty talentless. I've got good ideas, but I just need to work
2: on the, t- on the skill level. <laughs> well, the last question is if you weren't an artist, what would you be? But I'm going to change that slightly to you because at the moment you're a sort I'm of already schizophrenic <laughs> um, artist. Um, advertiser but I'll, I'll change it a bit for you what would you if you could stop one of them today
3: oh no i definitely do art be if the I art. Could. Yeah, yeah, no no I wouldn't stop the art I mean I've, I've been doing design no, no from, I mean you'd, you'd stop yeah, the I, design and, yeah I would um, if I could I would uh, as I say I've just got sort of I've been I guess uh, too kind of pampered with uh, getting paid you know relatively well doing design to sort of go right I want to be a staffing artist Um, so but at the same time you know I've I've done well for myself in life so you know and then my wife and I sort of said she actually is more encouraging me to sort of do this um, than me because I just sort of think right I've got to provide for the family and do all that sort of thing and she sort of said just do it because i know you love it and you you know she thinks i'm going to do well i i, <laughs> I just don't want to let it down now yeah <laughs> but um, yeah anyway
2: uh well lastly um your website where can people see your work and get in touch with you if they want to Ah,
3: uh, the money, the money.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Gary. So the, yeah. so the, we, yeah. so the website.
3: I'm, I'm hanging out on Hoxton Square. <laughs> if anyone a, a busk here Monday to Friday, just throw your money yeah. in the hat. No. So the,
2: web, the website, the people uh, want to see your work.
3: It's, it's heathcane.com
2: or there you go. And that's just H-E-A-T-H-K-A-N-E. That's right, yeah. Heath like Heathrow, Kane like Cain and Abel. And social media. Uh,
3: by Heath Kane.
2: By Heath Kane. Yeah. As in B Y. B Y. Yeah. Not yeah. to be confused with B U Y. Bit modest.
3: Yeah. It's um, it, well. Just on a closing note, it was where I sort of said I, I wasn't creative enough to come up with the name when I first started. It particularly came in um, quite testing when I started doing street art and putting up my work and walked into um, Brick Lane where there's a notorious bar. With lots of street artists and I was introduced to uh, some really cool street artists um, and thinking that I was going to walk into this room with all these young kind of kids they're all sort of old (laughs) middle-aged men like me but the funniest thing was when they said What's your, what's your name? And I said, Heath. And they go, what's your street name? And I went, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> and I realised there and then that there was going to be a predicament that you know, all these people have street, you know, street artists yeah. for a very good reason that it doesn't come
2: back yeah. and bite yeah, them. Of course. And here it was me saying, well, fuck it. I've got, I can't hide. Well, that's like my piece that I put into Bob's show, Bob and Carrie's show. Yeah. When I was talking to Bob, he was saying about the, um, the law behind um, defacing a banknote. Yeah and we was talking about the law so it already closed the his um call for artists had already closed and i thought it was an invite yeah so i didn't you know but they said look it closed i think it was two days prior to me meeting them i said we're putting it all together for the book in a couple of days time if you can get something then you know you can be a part of it so i know thank you and i was i was thinking on the way home i was thinking about that legislation and about <laughs> um, Bob, with his um, sort of, he's getting us all to do it when, yeah. and we're all just blindly doing it. Where it's against the law what we're doing, so we're all, he's, he's like some sort of um, Dickensian sort of um, figure that's getting all of us to break the law for his show. Um, and I was thinking that you know, if, if the, the law sort of clamped down on us. Um, <laughs> we'd all sort of get arrested for Hello, it. And, we <laughs> and we'd all go, well, I didn't know, I didn't know. I, you know, I thought it was just an urban myth that you can get arrested. And, you know, so none of us are really sure. But H- we've done. and made, I it, think, they're going to bring back in fashion. Well, you never know. Yeah. And um, so when I looked at the legislation, it sort of set down. So I put a QR code on my one. All right. That just when you take a photo of it, it takes you directly to oh, the legislature. So I've got no out. I can't say, oh, I thought it was uh, a... <laughs> you know, I, I'm saying, well, I knew, and I'm going to fucking do it anyway. You know, whereas, <laughs> and right. I'm not saying that everyone else went... Well, you know, because everyone else would do exactly the same, but in my little story that I'm creating is me going, yeah, I'm being a bit sort of anarchistic or, yeah. you know, whatever, and I don't give a fuck. And it, But when I was reading the legislation, it said, um, it said if any person... Uh, if, if he does deface a uh, uh, print, or but yeah. kept me, kept saying he in this in the legislation, and I wasn't aware at the time, but he just means man, person, right. you know? um, But I just thought that the women in the show could also go, well, hold on a minute, that law don't affect me because <laughs> it says he, it doesn't say her yeah. or they, you know. So I just called it, um, I think it was called se- Section Twenty Three, uh, sexist legislation something like oh, that fantastic you know. I was so going to
3: say uh, we could have we got out we would have gone got a sex change together yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: anyway Heath thank, thank you, you very mate. much cheers so there we go the first double episode on the Mizogart podcast seriously how good is Heath Kane I mean I say how good is Heath Kane I'm quite convinced that Heath Kane doesn't quite know just yet how good he actually is I guarantee things are going to change where Heath is involved this episode comes out round about the middle of October, by which time Heath should have released the date and place for, for this year's Ace Club. Now Heath didn't give me any insider information as to um, who's in it this year or where it's going to be, he just told me that it was going to be bigger and better than last year and that him and Rugman have put in a lot of work to get this show up and going this year. Now, Rugman's a confirmed artist for the podcast. Now, depending on when the Ace Club show is, I'll organise it so the Rugman is on the week before. That way, he can promote the show while he's on. And even if that can't be arranged, I'll no doubt be letting you know the times and places for the exhibition anyway. And speaking of future episodes, uh, we've just had Nettie Wakefield confirm. So that's another one to look forward to. Oh, and just before I forget, If I can just make you aware of another arts podcast, this one being My Favourite Work of Art by Dr. Laura Jane Foley. I mean, it is pretty much what the title says. She just has a guest on each week talking about their favourite work of art. As I record this, she's up to episode number five. My favourite so far was um, episode one, which was with Brooks Newmark, who was talking about his association with Andy Warhol. And episode four, which is John Burko, the Speaker of the House of Commons. The information on my favourite artwork podcast is as follows. Have you got a favourite painting? How does it make you feel? Each week, art historian and writer Dr Laura Jane Foley invites a well-known guest to share an artwork that has a special meaning for them. This series focuses on the emotional power of art. Well, what more do you want? She's a lot more eloquent than me. And she does not swear at all. But if you do go to listen, don't forget to come back. Next week, episode 10, is with Sam Harris. Now Sam is still at university and he is everywhere at the moment. And like Heath, he's only made himself known within the art world for the last year or so. So that's next week, episode 10, Sam Harris. And as ever, please pass on the word about the Mizogart podcast... And if you've got any questions, you can contact me on all social medias, which is at sign Mizogar, Mizogart, M I Z O G A R T. And if you want to see who's lined up for future episodes, just go over to www.mizogartpodcast. We have got the best lineup there is, whether it's on not just podcasts, whether it's on radio shows or even TV. No one's got a better lineup than us. So until next week, ta